Just read Zizek's review of Kung Fu Panda. I was going to say, I'm doing it right now. Hold on. <laughs> if you ask me for really dangerous ideological films, for ideology at its purest, I'd say Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> I saw it five times because my son likes it. The movie is extremely cynical in that, you know, they make fun of all this ideology of Buddhism and these things. But the message is, even though we know it, if it's not true and we make fun, you have to believe in it. It's the split of the, you know, it's not true, but just make like you believe in it. <laughs> Your Slovenian accent needs work, though, fam. It, it's yeah, like it's uh, Tony Soprano whenever, <laughs> whenever AJ <laughs> says, God is dead. And then Tony says, yeah, you know what? We're Catholic. And even if he is, you're still going to kiss his ass. Because your mother wants That's you right. to. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to The Regrettable Century. I'm Chris. I'm Jason. <laughs> and I'm Jenny. Um, yeah, okay. So today we are giving our reaction to the uh, Slavoj Žižek and uh, I want to say Kevin J. Anderson, but Jordan, <laughs> Jordan, B. Jordan, Peterson. Jordan B. Peterson debate, which was... The debate of the century. It was a rather uh, underwhelming debate of the century. Uh, I really hope that that's not an indication of how underwhelming the rest of the century is going to be, but I fear this, that it is. <laughs> I was going to say, it was exactly, it was a debate of the century, just a particularly awful century. Yes, yeah, it's a very regrettable one. I, uh, I, I didn't watch it live. I didn't get to watch it until like three days later, but um, or two days later. But I just saw everyone on the internet just losing their shit about how terrible it was. So that when I finally got around to it, I was expecting it to start out with Zizek saying something like terribly sexist or transphobic or something. And then he didn't. And I was like kind of surprised and like, all right. <laughs> A pleasant surprise. All right, there we go. Um, I mean, it was underwhelming, but, you know. At least he made Peterson look like a complete fucking moron. Actually, Peterson made himself look like a complete fucking moron. So, in all fairness to Zizek's shittiness, like, he didn't start with anything transphobic or sexist, but he did start by being like, hey, isn't it shitty that PC culture means that me and Jordan Peterson can't just come out the gates being transphobic and sexist? I can't believe this. This is tyranny. Well, <laughs> I don't think he said that exactly. He, I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> now, I don't. I, I don't actually think that Zizek is prone to saying transphobic things. I think he's just—he's irresponsible. He is. I think he said a transphobic thing before, or like an insensitive thing. I mean, whatever. Like, I have no need to 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 deproblematize Zizek. <laughs> yeah, he is indeed quite problematic yeah for sure but like i watched the debate and uh everything about it was i don't want to say it was like everything about it sucked i mean i do but i think it was actually (laughs) (laughs) i think it was really good in the sense that it it was it was very illustrative of the actual lines of the uh of political conflict right now so like you had okay so you have jordan peterson who's an utter charlatan complete fucking charlatan yeah like within within four minutes of his opening comments reveals himself to um either be completely unworthy of his degree or else the entire um canadian university system to be completely unworthy of distributing them and he's wearing a suit and he's 
got a little headset mic and he's walking around on stage like he's doing a TED talk. And his TED talk is like a, a quick introductory kind of like high school book report to the Communist Manifesto. Yeah. And then Zizek's response is to sit in his chair and look at a paper in his hands and just read until he's finished. And he goes over time. Um, and, and the thing is he says a lot of really important stuff some of it is good some of it is not good but it's all I, you know i remember it as him jumping around when i watched it the second time i realized he's he's pretty brilliant and that he has these pointed comments that are designed specifically to speak to peterson's audience but what they're not designed to do is defend communism or marxism and ultimately they're designed to help it, it appears advance his academic career and he did a very good job of it so between these two, you have a perfect illustration of the, the present political right and the present political left. The right is essentially ascendant really only because it's not up against a real formidable challenger. Right, exactly. Um, I think that uh, Peterson, <laughs> I mean, he, he called out Zizek like a year ago to debate him. You know, he's like, anytime, anywhere, Slavoj. Mr. Zizek is what he called him. You know, I think that was him trying to like put him in his place, like not even referring to him by his like honorific, you know, because Shlavo also is has a doctorate philosophy, but whatever. Um, it's true. Uh, he's like, he has two. Uh -huh. Oh, yeah. And uh, uh, psychoanalysis and in philosophy. But anyway, so like Zizek. You know, I mean, he called him out like a year ago and then preps for it by reading a 45 page pamphlet written to like workers in the 1800s. And then, they say, well, well, I guess I've got, um, you know, Marxism down. What's really great is that in between those two things, he um, argued with a Zizek quotes, a quote Twitter bot, fan yeah. page, <laughs> like a quote bot. And he argued with, like, what a dunce. He really is a dunce. And you know what was interesting, too, about him is that, like, I thought at the beginning, like the whole first three quarters when he's trying to talk about Marxism, he sounds like an idiot, like a complete idiot. He like – but then in the last quarter of it where he actually starts talking about, like, psychology, you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> you can string sentences together coherently. Interesting. Oh. It's almost as though you should fucking stick to this shit and shut up. Yeah. It was like there was there were two lanes, and one of them was his lane, but he just didn't stay in. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, okay, look, so like political points. If uh, if Zizek had wanted to go in and actually make the case for Marxism, which is what he was, you know. That's what he's supposed task, to do. Tasked was doing. And I think we can get to why he did a really bad job of it. <clears throat> but if he had wanted to, Peterson's very first comment is Marx and Engels don't seem to understand that um, all ideas are wrong or potentially wrong and should be treated as such. Um, he doesn't say that in the 45-page Communist Manifesto? Yeah, he doesn't say that. Peterson essentially accuses Marx of not referring to the ruthless criticism of all that exists, ruthless both in the sense of not being afraid of the results it arrives at and in its sense of being just a little afraid of conflict with the powers that be, which is a Karl Marx quote. <laughs> um, then his next one is that Marx doesn't even talk about man's competition with nature, right? He talks about conflict, but doesn't talk about the conflict with nature. Because, you know, Marx's conception of metabolic rift, you know, that capitalism is imposed upon uh, between humans and nature, which is like central to his whole critique of capitalism. Yeah, that's not in the Communist Manifesto, but it is all throughout Marxism. And, you know, then there's a whole bunch of these, right? 
what about other classes? Well, I, I actually do think he could have just found that in the Communist Manifesto in the third chapter. Um, and then he says, it's as if nature doesn't exist, as if, you know, they didn't write a dialectic in nature or Engels didn't write a dialectic in nature. Like some cursory Googling could have just point by point. And Zizek, you know, supposedly the Marxist, could have had this stuff more or less at the ready just by virtue of studying his whole life. So, I mean, his his responses to Peterson or whatever, you know, but he did have time to actually prepare like his 30 minute opening statement. Um, and I know he had b beforehand expressed that he was actually nervous um, because even though Peterson is a total chode and took this like completely unseriously and only critiqued one text by Marx and not Marxism at all, really, he is an, a well-educated guy and uh, could have done a better job. He at least knows how to read, I think. I, I believe he, he that. He could have done that. I wholeheartedly believe that he knows how to read. And he did say that, like, well, this is like a very large task. It's like, it's a task you you agreed to, though. Um, you know, it's I, a task I, I also agreed to as an undergrad. Yeah. A mm -hmm. bunch of times. It's actually a task that everybody, all three of us, have taken on at some point, you know, as young socialist activists. Yeah, we all went you know, to Barnes and Noble of... at 16 and we're like, what's the shortest book on Marxism <laughs> we can read and found it? Yes, yeah, exactly. we did exactly. We did the same thing. Um, at any rate, like the thing that it absolutely does illuminate um, about particular kinds of academics is that like, they're very good at like using flowery terms and not actually engaging with any of the ideas, just words, which I will give um, Peterson credit for. He is a good, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Wordsman. Rhetorician. <laughs> is that a word? Yeah. I've only read it. Did I say it right? I fully expected Zizek to not... Um, take it even as seriously as he did. I went in with very low expectations. Um, so I do think in that regard, he exceeded them because he had a paper to read off of. I thought he was going to go in and just like bullshit his way through the entire thing and be like charismatic and fun and whatever. But um, I, I guess I was surprised though, you know, clearly that dude's brilliant. I think he could have, you know, uh, fared a little bit better. Yeah, he, he could have, like, for example, when Peterson said hierarchy doesn't come from power and exploitation because that's an unstable basis for staying on top. Zizek could have just said, what's an empire? Have you ever heard of a king? How did Hitler get on top? Like, whatever, anything. It's just off the top of your head. Sure. Hierarchy can, let's say it can come from power and stuff. Did you hear everyone like, laugh whenever he said that? <laughs> yeah, that was that was like, pretty well, good. Maybe that's how you you would the do it. The people who are laughing—that's how they would. Y'all are hierarchy doers. <laughs> <laughs> or like when 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 Peterson said that Marx ascribes some sort of universal good to the proletariat and some sort of universal evil for, to the bourgeoisie, and so any single representative of the working class is like basically, you know good embodied in any single representative of the capitalist class it's not it's like dude all you had to do is look at wikipedia to find out that angles was a of the bourgeoisie like you don't even have to know marxism you just have to know about it there was a cool so, meme that was uh Engels, <laughs> hell yeah i can't wait Engels talking to one of his factory workers 
And he, he says, like, hey, man, you should fuck my shit up. <laughs> we're just like, what? And he's like, yeah, like, you and your friends, you should all get together and, like, steal my dad's factory. <laughs> <laughs> all he had to do was look at a meme. That's true. <laughs> I uh, saw something that was, like, talking about how uh, one of the trending on Reddit, uh, the top Jordan Peterson revol- result was, like, something about how Peterson just totally made an ass of himself and Zizek sounded much more intelligent. So uh, I think I'm going to start looking into Zizek and Marxism because, you know, Peterson's ideas seem totally bankrupt. Yeah, like there's a there's a there's a certain limited utility to the approach. Right. And so that's a reason to talk about the actual content of what Zizek said, because I think, you know, this Jacobin article, um, the fool and the madman, I think, did a pretty good job of illustrating that. Zizek didn't exactly, and it didn't come to the defense of Marxism and actually did make a full-throated defense of a regulated capitalism. Yeah. Um, which is to say, I think solidifies Zizek's slide to the right. Not to the far right, he didn't become a reactionary, sure. but from some kind of anti-capitalist critic to a basic liberal, right? But the rest of what he said, because I think that's easy enough to like poke, poke at it. It's a fair criticism. It's a good one, too, because I think it situates who Zizek really is. And I think it should dethrone him uh, as like a, a spokesperson for the radical left. Like Alain Badiou could have gone up there and run, not only run circles around Peterson like Zizek did, but also could have defended and, and advanced a communist argument. But the, the things that he said that I think are worth pulling out a little bit, what I was saying earlier is that he, he made some targeted comments directed at Peterson's audience. This was useful. He, when he, he talked about the pathological needs of ideology and the kind of alt-right obsession with cultural Marxism mm-hmm. as being similar to the, the Jewish plot to the Nazis, right? Whereas that yeah. it transposes uh, the internal antagonisms uh, of the imminent dynamic of capitalist society uh, and it transposes them onto an external force. And he talks about it as this pathological need because he said, even if all of the criticisms, uh, all, all of the kind of like scaremongering is true, that it wouldn't change in any way the nature of, of Nazi of Nazi ideology because Nazi ideology, in order to like divert from class antagonisms, necessarily needs an other, which means it will find a new other and a new other and a new other, so as to not examine capitalism. And that was directed like right at you know the whole the whole audience that Jordan Peterson has of these people that are like you know they hate feminists, they don't like you know, postmodernism and SJWs and whatever, everything is, is always like an external kind of like outside alien force corrupting society or whatever. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, them out. And I, I found that, was that to be like one of the only successful dunks that he had is when he said, who are these Marxists? Tell me their names. And Peterson was like fumbled, um, like he, he mentioned so, so badly. He mentioned Foucault. Yeah. Foucault, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Let's Google who is not a Marxist and then Foucault pops up, you know. Yeah, the Foucault and Chomsky debate, isn't that a thing that happened one time? I should watch that. Mm-hmm. I bet it was better than this. Uh, it probably was. Um, there's also the, uh, yeah, that's a, that's an interesting thing, too, because when Peterson is trying to fumble around for a defense uh, of his characterization of postmodern neo-Marxists, right, that's his big boogeyman. Um, it's presumably he spent his entire, I mean, he spent his entire career, like, focusing on this. This is what he's made a name for. He didn't have any answers. 
And it just illustrated, just by asking a simple question, he illustrated the utter, uh, he exposed Peterson as a total fraud. I thought he yeah. made a name for himself with the like pronoun uh, bill in Canada. He did, he but like he... He relatively he... unknown internationally, at least prior to that. Yeah, I mean, he was completely unknown. But but the the pronoun thing... Of like self-help. He did a series of lectures on um, archetypes. Okay. And he, he was YouTube famous for doing talks about archetypes in the Bible and then, you know, archetypes appearing in like Disney movies and stuff like that. He uses like basically Jungian psychoanalysis to to talk about archetypes and that stuff is dumb, but relatively harmless. It was, it was when he like really popped out onto the, uh, onto the world stage was by, you know, being, I don't know, just kind of a, petulant baby about having to call people their pronouns sure yeah yeah but he so that's all true but he he tried very i think i think early on but at least at some point he started to define the the kind of cultural struggle around identity as the new marxist paradigm yeah yeah that's true presses him on it he said well you know it is true that um you know all of these people kind of like reject you know concepts of, of class struggle but they still understand the world in terms of conflict between groups and so it's still marxist and again this is a major missed opportunity for Zizek if he really wanted to like win a debate as opposed to just have a conversation that people paid to watch he could have said well then like why is it called marxism because there have been ideologies about conflict since well before the industrial age. Like Bill Kristol's uh, clash of Western civilization against the Islamic East is Marxism? Marxist, yeah. Yes. So is the, the Roman conception of uh, anybody living outside the bounds of Roman law as barbarian? Mm-hmm. That's Marxism. Yeah. Right? It's just it's such an easy dunk and he didn't he didn't take it. And I know, I know this is all like super easy to say, and this is like exactly what happens when I watch football and I like know all of the answers, like from the couch. And I'm like, yeah, clearly I could never do this. But also, it's really, really easy to have these criticisms from the outside. So I, I mean, I get that, and I, I do want to acknowledge that. But it's still like I don't have even half the education that Zizek or peterson has how and i really struggled to understand how he failed so mis how they both failed so miserably and i I, the other thing that i'm really curious about is so that the title was capitalism or marxism capitalism and happiness um why happiness and how did that fit in anywhere other than like being mentioned there are a couple. Of, I, my very first thought about that is that I don't know why either of them uh, agreed to those terms. Like I don't know who who defined the debate, and I don't know why either of them agreed. But what I really like is that at the very end of the debate, we're like they both given half hour presentations, and then they both given two like ten minute responses to each other, and the moderator is like trying to make them talk about happiness, <laughs> and he says like, "Well, how is deeper happiness obtained?" And Zizek, without skipping V, goes, what? I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> what I, then, I do like what he says about happiness is like, you know, look at communist Czechoslovakia. Happiness was achieved there by uh, having a society where you have meat 
almost every day of the month, except for one day a month you don't have meat, to remind you about how the rest of the month you had meat and you should be happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> Which incidentally was Peterson's point too, right? Um, happiness is a is a consequence of, and then I mean, for him it was a consequence of like some sort of some sort of metaphysical personal duty to self betterment, and then the extension of the self betterment to you know other individuals in this super kind of new agey liberal hippie kind Every, of notion. Everything about his argument was inconsistent though, because it was that like you have to clean your room, you know, which works for the like young impressionable incels who love him and are looking for a reason why their life sucks. Um, so that's great. Um, but he all like also his argument that like, first you have to make sure you're, you're good or whatever, then your family and then society and you can't be hurting anyone else in the process in the process of like making that argument he also essentially said that like people are fundamentally good which you know in so many ways contradicts i feel like everything else he was trying to say i will say that zizek's response to that that like imagine making this argument about any other like authoritarian or totalitarian state and saying that they just need to work on themselves as if, you know, nothing else can impact their happiness or well-being. Um, I, I do think that, you know. Yeah, he's like, go tell people in North Korea to yeah. get their get their lives in order before they. Uh, yeah. yeah, to go yeah. clean their rooms first before. Yeah. So, you know, I will Listen, give him credit. I always clean my room. Very my same. life is in shambles. <laughs> I make my bed every day. Tell me what to do next, Dr. Peterson. Yeah, and so Zizek pointed out the the contradiction of Peterson going around the world, you know, on a, in a, as a as a crusader for a personal ethic, which is don't do what I'm doing and just focus on yourself. But like that kind of gotcha, you're being a you know by your own logic stuff. Like it's it's just not it's not political, and I think that that's the that's the nature of the disappointment. Right, like they're the, the the categories of people that that responded to this debate that were you know the people who like Zizek mm-hmm. thought he did a really good job of illustrating how much fucking smarter he was and how he wrote forty eight books so far. And when Peterson talked about the Communist Manifesto, Zizek responded with passages from Capital, Theses on Slovak, and Eighteenth Grammar of Louis Bonaparte. It's so like, oh right, yeah, he really was smarter. Um, and then there are people who. For Peterson fans who went in there expecting a debate about communism and then Zizek was like, yeah, I think the capitalism won, but now it needs to be reined in and regulated. Otherwise, we're going to have an apocalypse. And Peterson said, yeah, I think so, too. So like, yeah, Peterson made the won the argument for capitalism. And in a sense, he did. And then there are people like us who are like, what the fuck was the point of any of this? <laughs> yeah, uh, definitely. Well, I mean, he won the argument only because it, he was unchallenged in that regard that like most Marxists, including Marx, recognize capitalism as like a necessary step in the process toward, you know, socialism and communism or whatever. But like his own argument applied to like, imagine his own argument about capitalism applied to like feudalism, that like feudalism did all of these great things um, for people and was like the best off that like certain regions had ever been um and provided all of these advances for humans like but still reaches the conclusion that capitalism is 
what is the way he put it that was stupid? Like the worst ideology except for all of, or the worst system except for all of the other ones. I hate that he said that yeah, more he, than once. He used that, that Winston Churchill quote, like That's democracy that is the, uh, democracy is the worst political system except for all the others. And he says, like Winston Churchill said, capitalism is yeah. the worst economic system except for all the others. And seriously, if you quote Winston Churchill, that just means you're a fucking, you're a, you're a dunce. No one needs to ever quote Winston Churchill unless they're trying to prove how much of a fucking shit heel racist he was. Well, I think Peterson, I mean, he gets some currency out of proving what a shit heel racist yeah. uh, he could be. Yeah. He does never say it directly, but, you know, he, he throws out his hints every so often. He loves talking what about really lazy great. people with coded language, so. Yeah. Yeah. What was really great was whenever um, toward the end when Zizek is just making some interesting kind of commentary musings, right, about the nature of, of, of divinity in when, you know, in Christ's crucifixion and his saying, God, why have you forsaken me? You remember this part? Yeah, where he says um, that uh, Christ became an atheist for a moment as he cried out. And that that's yeah. actually a G.K. Chesterton observation. That's not original to Zizek and he gets some credit for it well right right so he he gives Chesterton credit for it and then Peterson's like oh that's really interesting I've not I've not heard it like that before it's like you're like the foremost conservative intellectual in the English-speaking world and you're not familiar with G.K. Chesterton talking about Christ even though presumably it's Judeo-Christian foundations which is the basis of like modern morality just like he was exposed again and again as a as a pure hack, an utter charlatan. And for that, we can thank Zizek. And then we yeah. can move on from Zizek, because I think he said really the last thing he has to say to us. I mean, I don't yeah. know. That's That might that might be being a little too harsh. Nah. But he, he, might, to... he might wow us all, but I think that really, um, it's like you said earlier, this is really just sort of, this is the debate that we on the left and they on the right deserved. It's it's a perfect example of our like of the shoddy state of either ends of the political spectrum. Right. I mean, it all comes back to this this at least it's a plausible case for pessimism. <laughs> and yeah. and it's not the kind of pessimism that Zizek is being criticized for, the liberal pessimism about like the best we can do is a regulated capitalism. That's not the pessimism I'm talking about. I'm talking about the the pessimism that says we still need communism. We still need revolution. But like, this is what we have instead. Um, He even, I think, he laid it out perfectly for us. It's like we tried to do things too quickly in the last century. And now it's time to sit back and think about them. That that squarely takes him out of the camp of, you know, Marxism. That that one statement right there, if nothing else. I mean, a lot of people have always said that Zizek isn't actually a Marxist. I mean, he's Marxian. Isn't the entire foundation of his of his body of thought is based on Marx? But you know, as far as what he thinks is politically necessary to save the world and emancipate fucking humanity, he's not a Marxist. Shit, who is it that wrote the Marxists the book? C. Wright Mills. C. Wright Mills. So, right, Zizek's, you know, philosophizing is informed by and influenced by readings of Marx and of Hegel. And he's quick to remind us that he thinks of himself as more of a Hegelian. So what he's really doing is... So this is interesting, right? He, he 
Zizek makes the point that like Bernie Sanders is essentially a rightist social democrat, but in the modern era, in this particular moment, it's radical because of just how awful everything is. Mm-hmm. Well, Zizek is a philosopher akin to C. Wright Mills, but in this moment, because of how awful everything is, he's regarded as like a leftist. But he's actually just a more well-rounded academic who's just, mm-hmm. you know, before the Cold War, it did. You know, they did teach Marx in economics courses because it was like, here's a theory about the economy. And it was only, you know, it's, it's only the onset of anti-communist ideology. It has this like warping effect on the development of, you know, intellectual spheres where you, you're not allowed to know things because knowing things is dangerous and might warp your, it might challenge the, the orthodoxy. And that's how you get an intellectual like Jordan Peterson. Because the guy yeah. was trained to just not know things and be I, proud of it. I saw a comment one time about uh, Angela Nagel after she did that Tucker Carlson appearance or whatever. Someone was like, well, I mean, that's what always happens to these people that study fascism. They just end up going over. Like, don't read about fascism, guys. Don't engage with the fucking the enemy's materials. Because if you do that, that makes you a fascist, too. Right, like. Just like Clara Zetkin and George Dimitrov, and I wish I could audibly roll my eyes. Um, just have to say it instead, so listeners know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's real uh, cute. I'll I'll do that next time. What's the verdict? Noise. You could make a part noise. What's yeah. the verdict on this debate? And I guess we've kind of we've we've kind of come to the conclusion, right? Like. If this is the best that we've got, then we're doomed. And so I guess we got to try a little bit harder. Um, my my assessment of it is like, if, if they were my students and I was grading them, I would give Zizek a C plus <laughs> and I would give Peterson a fucking F. Minus. Peterson, Peterson would get like a 35. Zizek would get like a, what is a C plus? Zizek would get a 75. And Peterson would get a 35. Yeah, I think that's yeah. right. Zizek at least read the material. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I said this on uh, earlier, but that this is a classic case of showing up to your seminar class having read none of the materials. So when it gets to be your turn, you just like give a 20-minute smoke screen where you the <laughs> you looked out of the book review that you printed off and highlighted like some key phrases in and just like... Talk about each one of those phrases in detail, ad nauseum, over and over again, you know? Yeah, it was total grad student who didn't read the material kind of a behavior on Peterson's part. And Zizek's was professor who uh, doesn't give a shit about anyone else in the room and is just going to say what he's going to say. It's going to say, I've had professors like Zizek where he's just like, here's the lecture. And he's like, is it, is it going over people's heads? Are people taking notes? Whatever. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Truly... this is what I came to say. That That is truly what Peterson did, though, because he kept saying things like, and the evidence it has the verdict is out on this. The evidence makes this crystal clear, but then provides none of it. Um, and at one point, like went on this long diatribe about I don't even know what because I blocked it out and then like takes a minute and he says and then so in essentially like something to the effect of like in conclusion looks at his computer and then repeats the same thing over again. And the whole crowd laughs. He does that like three times. Um, and I'm like, he's just reading from his PowerPoint. You have to try. I'm sorry. My, my favorite since, you know, 
my favorite meme about this since we've talked a little bit of this, since memes have been referenced. Uh, the precedent has been set the, for meme isn't reference. Isn't that like one of Zizek's things though? Like he's real memeable, so. Yeah, he really is very memeable. Um, I think this was on the Zlajloj Zizek uh, Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was a split screen and it's Peterson um, looking at his his laptop and it's like Wikipedia who is uh, Hegel. <laughs> yeah, and then the then it shows what Zizek's looking at, and it's just a blank sheet of paper covered in sweat, <laughs> <laughs> spit covered in spit. Oh, for sure. probably spit. Yeah, I think that one of the anecdotes that really just sums up Zizek as a what Zizek would be like as a professor is um, he he gives this talk and goes over by ten minutes or something like that, and then there's a question and answer session at the end, and the moderator is like, oh, and now. Uh, Professor Zizek will, will will call on you and uh, allow you to ask your questions or make your statements. And so what he does is like, oh, Professor Zizek, I would like to recognize Professor Zizek. Okay, now let me finish what I was trying to say. And then he goes <laughs> on for another 10 minutes. I was like, oh, that sucks so bad, dude. Yeah, I mean, that's like, that's the problem with hero worship. Like, you can't be encouraging people like this. Maybe we just don't get it because we haven't watched Kung Fu Panda five times. So um, one of the criticisms I saw of Zizek or of the uh, of them it was like this is what happens when white men gain a sense of superiority that they haven't earned or something like that. And I was just like, fucking Zizek, you think he got where he is by his fucking good looks and charisma and the fact that he's a white guy? He's a Slovenian, comf yeah. like this, you know. Zizek is actually an intellectual, you know. There's, I mean. Peterson, yeah, I mean, he wore a suit and made made a name for himself by bullying trans people. That's how he got where he is, you know. But Zizek is actually a fucking intellectual. There was one point that Zizek made about um, identity politics and PC culture and stuff is that he said that it's... He talked about it negatively in this way he, by saying, like, oh, that's a, a politics of uh, desperation and despair and defeat, which it absolutely is um it's the class politics of the 20th century were completely defeated and the politics that were retreated into were of these atomized groups who felt marginalized even within their own movements and wanted to have their own spaces and have their own sort of representation so it was a politics of defeat and despair where they were they, they lost the battle of the 20th century and were marginalized and oppressed within their own movements. So yeah, of course, it's a politics of defeat and despair. But that doesn't mean there's no validity to any of the sentiment that leads people to that. And I think that that was, that was kind of disgusting, the way that he and Peterson both were just like, oh yeah, we don't like those SJWPC people. Which, like, I mean, no one does, but like... Don't agree with Peterson on stage, you know? Yeah. You at least you at least form the fucking criticism in a way that critiques what the problems are while talking about these responses to it being not good enough. You know what I mean? Well that's the thing he, is that he likes that nuance. Yeah, well he well he also I just don't genuinely believe that Zizek feels a responsibility to anyone but himself. So I don't, oh, yeah. I don't right. think he feels a responsibility to the left or to oppressed folks um, to be able to 
to produce a, a good alternative to what we can do beyond individual solutions to what our collective problems, you know? Um, yeah, I, you know, I find him to be like completely unserious in that regard. Um, mm-hmm. Well, right. And this is why I, um, this is why I characterized it early on as like a, the, his final slide to the right, like the final stage of his slide to the right, because not too long ago, a few years ago, one of my favorite Zizekism was he said that, you know, the responsibility of the left is to say to the liberals that we're more like you than you are, which is to say you care about social justice, but we have the answer to the question, right? You care about ecology, but we have the answer. Like we, we have the solution to the, to the problems of the world, whereas you only, um, problematize the world. But what we saw in this debate was Zizek completely adopting what used to be the antithetical position to his own. I mean, I listened to a, a about half an hour of a lecture of his from India, I think even just two years ago, and it was still about the continuing necessity of forging a, like a 21st century socialist project. And oh, I was that he gave was, at that business school in India. Yeah, and I was thinking about um, <laughs> I just I, I had been thinking about this today. Like, you know, is this just what's the nature of this general slide? Because I remember he even, he was a big backer of Syriza. And I think that that actually, like, that that might be, if not the, then let's say one of the crucial points around which Zizek's whole worldview is sort of shifted. Because that was an unmitigated disaster. And I think it's the basis of a lot of our pessimism, not just that one moment, but, you know, what that moment signified. The difference is that I'm just too committed to just too committed to communism to to adopt Zizek's pessimism. That's all. Mine's a lost cause narrative, and his is a uh, if you can't beat him, join him. Okay, so the dumbest thing that Peterson said, like the dumbest thing, was when he says you'd be a bloody fool to exploit your workers. Oh yeah, right. Like there's no such thing as exploitation. Yeah, I mean, it's like how the fuck do you read Marx? And complete and walk away without an understanding of what the Marxist concept of exploitation is. How do you even just not read Marx and still not think that there are exploitative practices? Yeah. Like even the most watered down, worthless 2% in the CNN polls, Democratic primary liberal, not acknowledge like, uh, you know, there are some exploitative practices that are helping prop up some businesses. That's an easy one. Yeah, like Walmart. Those guys are fools. Their business model hasn't worked and has not been successful at all. Yeah, definitely doomed to fail. Yeah, it's either that or they don't exploit, using the Peterson logic, right? Oh, we zinged him by his own logic. Fuck. Put me on a stage with Jordan Peterson. Be like, hey, listen, fuck you, man. Fuck you, man.